Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1976's Taxi Driver, directed by Martin Scorsese and starring Robert De Niro. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Uh, The other night I watched To Have and Have Not. It was streaming on HBO Max. And that's a great movie. It's just... Whenever you see like Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, I mean, it's it's kind of impossible right. to resist it. You know, you just you just settle in, and it always it always hits the right spot. You can't go wrong. Do you, who who directed that? I think it was Howard Hawks. Okay. Yeah, but you know what? I hope I was going to say wrong. that or Michael Curtiz. Right. But I'm. It's one of the two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. <you. laughs> when you're getting that good classic Hollywood, it's one of yes. those two usually. Yes. <laughs> cool. So it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, Lauren Bacall and bogey i, I mean yeah see i i had just finished a rewatch of the sopranos and uh lauren bacall is in an episode in the last season um when they go to california and she's just like hang she's like presenting an award or whatever and i was like god damn, okay that's lauren bacall just, she's playing you know, herself she's playing herself that's yeah. awesome yeah. dude sweet um <laughs> i watched another classic hollywood film too okay i watched nightmare alley the 1947 original i believe it's the original great I think it's directed by Edmund Goulding, who also directed um, Grand Hotel, the 1932 Best Picture winner. So talking about old Hollywood Jeez, right yeah. there. But it's about um, like a carny, like a mentalist, con man kind of guy mm-hmm. played by Tyrone Power. And he's always trying to, you know, get more. He's trying to take that next step, make more money, be more famous. And he's he's selfish and he kind of does whatever he's got to do about his rise and his ultimate fall as you got to do in these stories of course he plays this character expertly like it's so well done um he's a master manipulator and like he says he's wise to everything (laughs) so (laughs) um and you know and it's the ultimate irony at the end he becomes what he said he'd never become you know i i I guess tyrone power probably you could say he's underrated uh, because he doesn't get talked about as as much as other big movie stars from that era but he's pretty awesome yeah. That, so that, yeah, I'm glad It's to a hear fantastic it. performance, and all the female leads are fantastic. Right. And seeing the way he manipulates these people into getting what he wants, it's quite awesome. Yes. Um, I can see why someone like Guillermo del Toro wanted to remake this movie. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So, excellent. Now, Dave, it's time to talk about Taxi Driver. You got it. Why don't you give us a synopsis? Okay. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, Paul Schrader and Martin Scorsese's, uh, you know, uh, study of... of what can happen when someone is uh, alienated from society and uh, the fallout of what that can lead to. Um, In some cases, it's just like, you know, crippling loneliness, uh, while the most extreme variety is, you know, suicide or in the case or in this case, vigilantism. That's what we're going to break down. Yeah, this movie has a lot to unpack in it, Dave. Yes. Um, I know you're you're more well versed in it than I am. Mm -hmm. I've seen it a few times. But oh, yeah. I mean, you've probably seen it dozens, I imagine. I have, yes. Okay, yeah. And this is this movie's so good. I'm just gonna get it out there right <laughs> away. Like, definitely recommend. No matter what, of like course. you gotta oh, watch man, this yeah. movie. It's one of the essentials. It's the essentials. And when you think about new American cinema, like this is near the top of the list. Of course, yeah. This is where it was really like. I mean, you, you would point to it if you were gonna like just do a study of of yeah the the you know American Renaissance in the 70s of cinema. Yeah, this is where it starts. Yeah, Graduate gets a lot of credit, right. which one of the first to kick it off, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, as far as where it kicked off, yeah, but I think that if you're talking about, like, just the absolute, the, the like we said, the essentials, the ones that you cannot right. miss. Right, you get this, you get French Connection. Yes. You, you guys all know the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is up there at the top. Right. Um, De Niro gives an insanely amazing performance. It's so, 
it's I mean to call it real is not to is to even like undersell it. I mean he's he he just completely embodies the character and he's he's famously a method actor of course, but mm-hmm. just the everything he gets right and there, there's just no false notes and the way he figures out how to portray loneliness on the face, mm-hmm. loneliness in in the way you walk, um, in the way you sit in a car. He, the way you watch TV. Exactly. Yeah, just everything. Yeah, he, he completely ignores a film crew and just is, I'm going to be Travis Bickle. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did he get any kind of credit for this from the Academy? He I can't nominated. remember. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was, yeah, this was not an Oscar win for him, unfortunately, but, you know. <sighs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Oscars a lot uh, as, as we go along, I'm sure. As we go along in our show, I should say. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up. We got a lot of beefs. Yeah, we always have beef, <laughs> yeah, man. We, we it's like do. a buffet restaurant here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, Travis Bickle, quite a character. Right. And I think the loneliness is a huge... I mean, even he even says it you know, in his voiceover. Yes. Like, loneliness has followed me my whole life. In bars and cars. Mm-hmm. There's no escape. I'm God's lonely man. Oh, man. And you can tell he's lonely because he doesn't have anyone with him. Right. He just runs into people and he tries to make these connections and he fails miserably every time. Whether it's talking to his coworkers or in the, the, the most uncomfortable one, which is trying to romance Sybil Shepherd's character. Yeah, Betsy. Betsy. Either one, you're always every time travis talks to someone you're well and, and except for except for one case which i i think when he talks to jody foster in the diner um that's the only time that you're not like um really kind of uh so uncomfortable yeah you're not because i think it's because it's the way he's approaching it is different from the way he's approached everything else yeah it's almost like he's trying to help her instead of trying to help himself and he doesn't seem nearly as nervous not as nervous and i won't it's like he's trying to be her father, yeah. you know, instead mm-hmm. of her lover. Right. Or her friend. Which is what she's expecting. Like, she's expecting him to want to, I mean, because that's all men, you know, want from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's this person who is is trying to make some kind of other connection. And, you know, she at first doesn't know how to handle it. And then, mm-hmm. but like, we, the audience, know what Travis is is about. And, you yeah. know, just, just to see him, like, actually... Almost make a connection with somebody. Yeah, almost. Pretty close. (laughs) Right. She's like, I don't know who's weirder, you or myself, you know? (laughs) And that's the first time each character have connected. You know, like with Betsy, like she is just not even close to connecting. Man, I guess, guess, you know, we'll just talk about the Betsy and Travis, you know, thing right now. Because, I mean... She she is a campaign worker for uh you know Senator Palantine the Palpatine guy running, pal- yeah <laughs> that's right I know <laughs> yeah Senator Palpatine running for president in 1976 mm-hmm. um and when he wanders in to campaign headquarters after having stalked her yeah you know for for we only see it for a little while but it could have been weeks or months before that um mm-hmm. sitting outside in his taxi right uh you know just staring at her through the through the glass. And then to actually pull the trigger and walk in in his best suit jacket. Yeah, his red corduroy yeah. suit, man. <laughs> yeah. This is 76, man. Yes, exactly. Because, I mean, yeah, the carpet's red. His jacket is red. I mean, they're on the planet Mars. In, in And, I mean, like, 
Oh God, New and York in the seventies is Mars I know, today. Exactly. Yeah. Like like seventies interiors. I'll just get this out of the way right right now. I mean, anybody who's friends with me knows how I feel about the seven <laughs> the, the nineteen seventy. Like yeah. I wasn't there, so maybe I have a, a a rosy version of it. But I just love wood paneling, and I like mm-hmm. smoking indoors, and and yeah. Uh, browns and burnt oranges yes a butternut yeah. and weird formica <laughs> yeah it's it's all looks great you know floral patterns on the couch oh man mm-hmm. yes it, it just it just it looks so inviting to me <laughs> um but <laughs> i love when he's when he's telling her when she agrees to go out with him mm-hmm. after he used that line on her about you know you're the most beautiful woman i've ever seen mm-hmm. and i think that you need somebody and all this stuff i'm just you're a lonely person oh that's how do you man that, using an insult to pick someone up pretty yeah, bold he, he's i know mm-hmm. he, it, it's it's weird it, and it works i know he actually gets through and she decides to go out with him i i'm like even even the first time you see it you're like she's not gonna say yes and then she does and you're mm-hmm. like holy crap you know she's gonna go have a yeah. snack with this i dude. think sybil shepherd gives a great performance because you can see that on her face like she's conflicted with should i do this or not you know because she can tell immediately like Man, this guy was kind of stalking me. Oh, yeah. And he's a little off. Right. And he's kind of insulting. <laughs> but there's something intriguing about this guy. And he doesn't really know who the senator is. And she yeah. asks him questions about, you know, like policy. Well, I don't know, but I'm, I'm sure it's good. Uh, I'm, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure he has good policies on everything. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know much about politics. And by the way, but I wish somebody, I would. Yeah. Whenever someone says stuff like, I don't know much, I don't really follow political issues. It's like, you how do you not do you live in this world <laughs> yeah it's there right uh, maybe yeah. you're ambivalent about everything but i mean i'm sure you hear about it yeah you have to know yeah. what 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 things mean well he is super lonely maybe he's not hearing shit it's like, possible I don't know. yeah he, he could he could have dissociated himself completely from the political process it seems impossible but i guess that's the privilege of you know yeah if you can do that and like when Betsy says, yeah, I'll go out with you, like, it's kind of surprising that she actually says yes. Oh, it's totally surprising. Yeah. Because, I, like, like there, there's just no way that, like, because, I mean, like, people are in love with her all in her. Immediately. Exactly. I mean, like, uh, Albert you know, Brooks is around her finger. I mean, it's just, yeah, exactly. He will do whatever he give, I think he gives the most underrated performance in the movie. Oh, Albert Brooks is great. Albert Brooks is phenomenal yeah, in this film. I know. And their relationship. What's his character's name? Tom? Tom. Tom. Yeah. yeah. Like, Tom and Betsy. Their, you know, flirtatious, fun relationship at work, which Travis totally nails wrong <laughs> because he's so blind to everything. Yeah. Seeing their relationship compared to what Travis thinks his relationship's going to be with Betsy yeah. and like what he views her relationship with Tom is based on his own hatred <laughs> is phenomenal. Like just... To see how opposite they are, how diametrically opposed these two relationships with Betsy is. It's amazing writing. You're right. To show how low Travis Bickle actually is. Yeah. Because, and it's weird too, because we don't see it, but we, we we see when Travis like just like specifically talks about Tom mm-hmm. when when she, when him and Betsy are in the, the, the diner together. Yeah. Um, and he just says, I don't like him. Um, you know, I, I shouldn't say I don't and like him. he backpedals him. a little. Yeah, yeah. He just walks it back a bit. I, I have a feeling. I just think he's funny I think, or something I think like he's that. Silly. Is that what he's, and you I think th- he's silly. And I don't think he respects you. That line there just tells Betsy everything she yeah, needs to know. And yet she still goes out to a movie with him. I'm, I was still shocked. Because she like, is like, so intrigued. How, how do you, I mean, like, and I know. Because he's a contradiction. She wants to yeah, figure this out. Exactly. And he hasn't done anything totally scary yet. Yeah. So Except she order cheese on apple pie. <laughs> 
I thought that ordered was a apple good pie choice. with a slice of melted yellow cheese, which I thought was a pretty good choice. What the flying <laughs> fuck? I mean, I, I just like oh, and, that's and, such a character defining line. I though. know exactly, and I, I guess that's where I that's where my my love for the seventies maybe ends is the food situation uh-huh. because if if such a thing was even available, I I, I couldn't live in that. I world. imagine he he just. It's not on the menu. He probably just <laughs> added cheese because he thought it sounded fancier or something. He got a something. slice of apple pie like, animal style? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got loaded baked potatoes and everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, so gross. And at, like at the end of the scene, he kind of like cuts a bite. I'm like, yeah. dude, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not. I don't want to see that. That's the most disturbing thing in the film. You're right. That is a truly psychotic thing to, to, to eat. I mean. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And, and he eventually, of course, they, you know, she, she somehow agrees to go to a movie with him. Even after she like when she she tried to pay him a compliment with like comparing him to Chris Christopherson. Yeah. And he I don't know. I'm not a pusher. I've never been a push. No, that's not what I'm saying. Right. Like. Red flag, lady. He it, reads it, everything wrong. Exactly. Yes. Like when she starts to be sarcastic with him about right. the poster, he right. just looks at her like, what the fuck is she doing? <sighs> How? Why is she talking to me like this? She gets out when she, I mean, like she eventually gets away, you yeah, know, obviously. Right. And that's, that's a good thing for her mm-hmm. because God only knows what this guy's capable of. But I mean, like the fact that he would take her to a porn movie, it's the... He's very ignorant to normal society and how it works. How would he, how would he have <sighs> thought this was like... Uh, something that she would be into on a first date. Yeah. And what about their conversation led to him to, to thinking this was the right move? And and he he says lots of couples come to this. You, you yeah. do see one couple in sitting in front of them. They're not yeah. like a first date couple. Right, yeah. You know, they, they, they've been there and this is their thing. Exactly, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but Travis might not even know that. No, like, exactly. And Betsy even says like, you know, you might as well just say you want to fuck me. Right. Which I don't even think Travis is thinking that when he brings her there. Mm. Personally, I think he's just that blind to the world. Okay. That he just thinks this is what you do. Right. And maybe they'll have sex. I don't know. But like, I don't (laughs) think he's just going there like we're going to get down in this theater. Yes. Like, I don't think he's thinking that because he's still trying to be a gentleman like throughout the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. And he sucks at it. But Yeah. yeah, he's trying to. Wow. Okay, I, you know what? He doesn't know anything about being a gentleman, but man, he'd sure like to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, and, oh my God, he uses that same damn line when, when she storms out of the theater and he, yeah. I don't really know much about films, but I'd love to know more. I don't yeah. really know much about music, but I'd love to know more. Right. Do you know anything, Travis? Right. I mean, how, how, how can you, you haven't engaged with anything he, in your world. He has trouble expressing himself. Right. And I mean, you can go down the whole mental illness thing too. Like, I mean, he was discharged from the Marines. Right. I mean, he obviously has a bad relationship with his parents, and there's a screw loose or something. Yes, you know, like oh yeah, and, and being honorably discharged that means it wasn't even his fault. You know, right? <laughs> right. Like yeah. people are just rejecting him still. Like the Marines are isolating from him. Like he is talk about even expanding on his loneliness. Like how he feels. Wow, you're yeah, jeez. Um, I, I and I guess that kind of alienation. Like, well, I I, I think that what. By the time he's with Betsy and he makes that he makes the move of, of the the porno movie and mm-hmm. everything, like it's it's almost like self sabotage, because you know, mm-hmm. uh, like like you said about the Marines, everything in his life leading up to that point has has rejected him. So like mm-hmm. if, if if all he's familiar with is rejection, then maybe maybe the 
we all know that like, you know, with mental illness, a lot of times you go for the familiar because that's what's familiar and that's what's comfortable, even if it's yeah. unhealthy for you. Yeah, right. And, and he can't help himself. Right. Even the moment when he does kind of try to reach out for help to like Peter Boyle, yeah. like he can't even like express it. And that's uh, a weird scene. That is such a strange scene, yeah. man. And like that's right when the movie kind of starts to flip into this like militant take action mode. Yes. So like I can see that, but yeah, like and Peter Boyle doesn't know what to do about him. <laughs> Just like this guy is crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel. Like he's thinking in the back of his head, man. He's trying to like say something philosophical, but he can't. You know, because he's just a cabbie, man. And. <laughs> What's his name? Wizard. Wizard. It's Wizard. <laughs> That's right. And and when and Wizard's speech here, uh, I I don't know if Peter Boyle is improvising, uh-huh. but it sounds like it's it, it's such great dime store street philosophy. Yeah. And it's coming from a place where he only half believes what he's saying, and really what you can tell I, he's kind of like bullshitting along with it. Of course. It. Yeah. And he he likes Travis, but he also wants to wants to get back to work. So he's just saying what he thinks. And even in the end, he's like, hey, you're going to be fine. You know, like... Uh, you'll be all right, kid. You'll be yeah. all right, yeah. And everything he says is completely unhelpful. And <laughs> and this is... And of course, we, we've just heard him, like, the other times in his scenes, uh, Wizard tells those bullshit stories. About how he's having sex with all these women Jesus in his cab. You know, uh, I have heard some variation yeah. of that story from so many assholes in my life. You know, <laughs> of, of just the, these amazing sexual uh, conquests and... Uh, yeah, right. There's Come not a on. shred of truth to any of that. It. Never happens. No, I mean, and, and he. Oh God, she gave me. <laughs> she gave me her uh, her address, a uh, key to her house in Acapulco. <laughs> she did. <laughs> <It's> obviously <laughs> fake. Good lord. Do you think the other cabbies are like buying it, or they're just playing along with them? I don't like, know. Because I mean, because like, they seem enthralled. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I, I imagine <laughs> that like at some point in my life, when I talked about those other the times that I experienced, I probably did act enthralled. In the moment, because I was just, yeah, just like, oh yeah, really? oh really, yeah. holy crap, dude, no way, <laughs> you know. I, and I, I shouldn't have. I should have just said, hey, dude, you're full of shit. But I, I didn't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right, because they're your only friends. Exactly, uh, yeah. you're being polite. Yeah. You know? I, I, uh. All right, Steve. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you had sex with the first lady on a train. <laughs> it's fine. God. I know. I know what happened. Jesus I know. Christ. I know what happened. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, dude. Yeah. What do you want to talk about next? Because there's okay a million things we could talk about. Well, I I guess then like how he first gets the job, obviously because he from Joe Spinell from Joe Spinell in in the he needs more time. In the cab stand. The, I, I love Joe Spinell. He looks like the decade of the '70s. He is. Yeah. He looks like the '70s. You know, that's exactly it, true. I mean, good lord! You talk about like just like a, a human nicotine stain. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's just something about this dude. <laughs> You don't want to bust his chops. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, and let me see your chauffeur's license. God, how fucking easy was it to get a job in the 1970s? It had to be fucking like I mean, nothing. He, he walks in off the street, gives the guy some shit, uh, and then he's driving by midnight. How's your driving record? <laughs> Clean like my conscience. I, I, don't bust my chops. You're going to bust <laughs> yeah, my chops. Right? You can get, take it out on the street. That, 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 that's his response. You can to, take it on the arches. Yes, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And know. then he tells him his military, you know, well, what's it? What about your education? He says some, you know, here and there. Yeah. That's, I mean, imagine putting that, those words on an application today. <laughs> Yeah. And, and having anybody take a second look. I mean, it's not like he's applying to run the campaign office or oh, of anything. Course. He's running the midnight shift cab in the worst areas of New York City. Absolutely. I mean, and so. you don't need a college education for that. Right. Uh, truthfully, you don't need a college education to even do 
the, to be the CEO of a company if you're just really if you actually right. if, we if you have the business acumen of and, course yeah because it, it was funny to me the 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 HR process of of taxi driver in the, in the beginning of because I <laughs> right, think it was yeah. also pretty accurate I, I think back then there there was no vetting it was just you just walked in and said I would like this job please if there was no other candidates well they just took you uh huh um and of course the reason he's doing this is because he he says he can't sleep. After his shift is over, he goes to a porno theater. Like we see him, like even before he meets Sybil Shepherd, he he frequents porno theaters quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, he's there all the time, right? And he tries to hit on uh, the the lady who runs the concession. That doesn't work. Yeah, um, and, uh, bad idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. You don't you don't hit on something if you're in a place where it's just a a jack off house. Nobody is going to want to talk to you and want to go on a date with you. But he yeah. doesn't understand that because he's who he is. Yeah, and that's one of the earliest things we see of him just being uh kind of blind to things yes of course. or even a little too pushy oh in ways. my god I yeah because she she immediately kind of just like her first line is pretty much hey man give me a break and he just keeps coming after her. the craziest thing is like he buys all this food for a dollar 85 <laughs> he buys like a box of popcorn so he wants jujubes but they don't got them he's got some goobers an rc cola dollar 85 for multiple pieces of candy a giant popcorn I mean, <laughs> you're probably sitting in someone's own, you yes, know, stain you yes. when you're in the theater. So maybe that's the discounted rate. But <laughs> man, I was like, yeah, I know it was 50 years ago, yes. but come on. You just can't beat those prices, dude. Um, I mean, imagine just putting down $2 for that much candy. Uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. And how much imagine. did he pay for the ticket? A dollar? Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, probably. A buck? You know, or maybe he just like put a put a, a Sacagawea dollar in the door when he first comes in. That's how you Yeah, get one in. of those coins, yeah. dude. A Sacagawea dollar, dude. <laughs> I, I haven't thought about that in ages. I unloaded like 12 of those when I went to the auto show a couple years ago. Really? I, I had a bunch of them in my truck and I just, you know, I needed to get rid of them, unload them, and I got them at the parking lot. I mean, they're they legal took, tender, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's they like a $2 them. bill. Yes. <laughs> um... You mentioned New York City as yes. a character. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. we talked about that off cam- off camera, yeah, off mic. We right. don't have video yet, folks. Right. It's Maybe coming. we will Maybe one day. Some, maybe someday. But um, yeah, we talked about that. Like, yeah, like the city is a character. Like, even Travis sees it as an entity. Yes. Like this place is the worst. Right. Um, it's filled with the lowest of the low. The s- the suckest of the scum yes. or something like that's yes. how he says the it. The lowest like, sucking scum. The lowest sucking scum. Right. I love that delivery because you can tell he wants to just r- run run his mouth off on it. Right. And he kind of holds back and can't figure out the word to say. Sucking scum. <laughs> In his narration, yeah. he uses- Instead of like scum sucking- Oh, yeah. yeah it's like, the lowest sucking scum. Great. He does a variation of it. It's awesome. And in his narration, he uses, you know, misogynist and sexist and racist terminology all the time. Constantly. Um, but- and when he's talking to, to Senator Palantine in the cab, uh, sen- the senator and two of his aides are, are like, they, they get a ride with Travis at one point. And Travis, like, yep. the guy asks him, what, what do you want to change about New York City? And he says, well, this place is an open sewer and it's full of the lowest sucking scum. And he, he would love to say what he said mm-hmm. to us in the narration to the senator. But somehow oh, he yeah. knows that, like, he, he has some decorum, at least in that moment, where he doesn't, like, say his true feelings. Yeah, honestly, I, I guess in general, right or wrong, everything in this movie is from Travis's point of view. It's asking us to get into the mind of someone who maybe we don't like, yeah, and, and who is um, someone we'd be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this kind of person who lives on the fringes of society, and um, or maybe we've been that person, or maybe we are that person. You know, whichever. Um, yeah, and it's that that that's, these are difficult truths to come to grips with. It uh, is because everyone can see at least a little 
fraction of Travis in themselves. Yes, of course. Whether it's intentional or not. And it could be something like, you know, uh, even if you've never done the things he's done, I mean, I've had an inf- inflated sense of self-worth, you know. Yeah. I, I thought I was more important than I am. Um, and We've all been lonely. Yeah. We've all made horrible decisions when interacting with people sure. that we regret. doesn't have to be as much as, you know, I went and killed up a bunch of pimps, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not many of us have done that. Right. Yeah, exactly. That- <laughs> But yeah, like you can find things about Travis in yourself and that's scary. I know. Seeing the things, um, like the most difficult things to look at where you know that you've been this person at some point. I mean, like that, that, that's really where you, as, as long as you can, you know, get out of that tailspin in your life and then, you know, you're, you're successful. But geez, I mean, it, 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 you can so easily go that way yourself. Um, you can revert back to it at some point too. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's terrible. The movie's like a mirror to yeah, ourselves, a mirror to society. Yep. Um, and that's frightening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, talk, just talking about New York City, the way it looks on film, oh, the man. way it was shot, the cinematography, like everything in this film. And it's just, looks amazing. And and that New York is what I all. It's even today in my head that is what New York City looks like. Um, and yeah. that's and that's definitely not the case um, any longer. After you know, after Giuliani and his at and you know, yeah, after he through, cleaned uh, it up exactly, yeah, <laughs> made it kid friendly, exact, turned it into Disney World. Uh-huh. You you go to Times Square now, <laughs> and you can eat at Olive Garden. I mean, at least just, you can walk down Times Square. Like, well, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's safe, and and you can you can eat at a chain restaurant. But my God, I. For yeah, me, right. I, yeah. I, it looks that 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 cinema that, that Sybil Shepherd and Robert De Niro go to looks so much more interesting to me than, than anything that's in Times Square currently. I, yeah, I want to go see Avatar in that uh, in that theater. Love it. You know? You know, on on that on that about 6 foot screen, <laughs> 6 foot projector. <laughs> yes. <laughs> James Cameron wouldn't even allow the movie to be presented there. I just that's love, too funny. I yeah. love the idea of just even seeing the, the those letters on the on the marquee, right. Yeah, you know, Avatar two next to a Swedish erotica. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, for a dollar eighty five, I would pay that much to see Avatar two on that screen. You said save it, some dude. dough. You said it, man. Give me some RC cola, and you're set. <laughs> um, yeah, and I and the music too. I mean, oh, the score. Who, who is it? Bernard Herman. Herman. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. God, classic. Score. It was his final score. He yeah. died a few days after recording yeah. the score and, and got the uh, the posthumous Oscar nod, right? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And it's like omnipresent. And they mm-hmm. use it for every emotion, every occasion. Yes. Like the, the theme same, remains the same. I know. But they changed the key. They changed those different same, musical motifs. Right. Th- those five notes mm-hmm. that... that it's it's perfect when you see Sybil Shepherd walking in slow motion toward campaign headquarters. Yes. And it's also perfect when Travis is just looking at street trash, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it somehow it fits, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's so haunting too. Yeah. Like it's just, like you said, it's omnipresent throughout right. the movie. It's just permeating the whole thing, every frame. I don't know what's so perfect about it because it's like, it's kind of unlike... At the time in the 70s, a lot of people were using popular music for, right. for their score. And Scorsese's guilty of, you know, needle drops left and right. Of course. But, like, this movie, unlike any of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Scorsese himself is in a key scene. Yes, um, he is. It's it's after, you know, like, well, I guess we, we'll back up just a minute to about, like, the after Sybil Shepard rejects Travis's advances at the porno theater. Mm-hmm. Um and we had that massively uncomfortable scene where he's trying to call her from yeah. the, from the lobby of the apartment oh, building. Oh man! And even the camera can't watch. 
because we just like pan over to the to the hallway. Oh, I love that observation, Dave. Uh, yes. That is amazing. Right. He then picks up his fare that night, and it's Martin Scorsese himself who is spewing bile from the back seat about what he's going to, you know, this yeah. racist diatribe he goes on about his wife, uh, you know, two-timing him with uh, another man. Yes. And it's the only time I think Travis comes out looking good. I guess. I mean, because he doesn't really participate in anything no. that's happening. He's just there kind of saying, yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, I agree with you no. or anything like that. Exactly. And it's it insanely influential on what happens next yes. in the movie. I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, and I guess that. Okay. So you're reading it. Uh, do, do you read it as Travis gets ideas from this guy? I think Travis already kind of has these ideas. Okay. But he hasn't manifested anything yet. Okay. Um, but hearing this guy just go off about this stuff yes, and talking about the 44 Magnum oh my and God. like, yeah. I mean, obviously that gives him an idea yeah. cause then he's asking for a 44 Magnum. That's true. Um, maybe I would give, I'd given Travis too much credit as far as like understanding that this guy's a piece of shit and this guy's sick. But like if he, if, if it kind of, you know, plants a little bit of seeds there for him, I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, I, it I'm not saying you're that. wrong. Like yeah. Travis is kind of just observing this right. he's not participating in it right he's being forced to be there yeah. basically yeah he is for this to oh, happen yeah, exactly it, it's it's against his will i mean he, he can't you know he could i guess he could you can always throw somebody out of your cab but i mean in that moment he's just he can't believe what he's hearing so he's almost like stone silent um and he makes a ton of money from this you're right i wonder if that right. has any kind of influence on him too like wow i'm making money i I'm just pulling this out of thin air right now. So yeah, I haven't yeah, thought yeah. about this yeah, at all, but he made so much money being around this hatred, being around this violence. That's true. So maybe that has influenced him too. And Mar- success equi- is equated to these things now. You're, yeah, I guess that's true. And and Scorsese even says, you know, like, like he, t- like his Travis tries to put the meter down and he's no, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm put it up. I'm paying for the ride. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, he's tangibly making, yeah, you're right. Okay. Wow. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is when the ball gets rolling with his right. vigilanteism. Right. Um, he goes and sees Easy Andy. I love Easy Andy. Stephen Prince as Easy Andy. Um, what a performance. <laughs> so wait, so who is Stephen Prince? He's just a friend of Martin Scorsese. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Because the guy looks like every guy who plays in a band in the 70s. Of course. Yeah. Like he, he has to be in a band. He could have been in Orleans. Yeah. You, you know, um, <laughs> so, he has the suitcases full of the guns, and then Travis gets these four guns from him, which is awesome. Yeah. And he, the way the guy's selling the guns, you can tell he's this guy's a real talker, right? <laughs> you know, he's telling them all the good stuff about the products. He's like, only a jackass would carry that gun around like that. So he gives him the holster, <laughs> and then he pays for everything, and he tries to push all these drugs on him, oh which is God. hilarious. And then he tries to sell him a Cadillac. I get your Cadillac with the pink slip. <laughs> yeah. Two grand. Freaking awesome. <laughs> One of the few moments in the movie that is just golden comedy. I've rewound and rewatched the Easy Andy scene a million yeah. times. And it's it's fascinating because obviously Robert De Niro is a giant of acting. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's he's Robert F. De Niro. Yeah. You know, we all know his name. And he, his his work is used in schools to teach actors how to act. Yeah. And here's this guy who's a non-actor. Not just holding his own in a two-hander with Robert De Niro. He's doing all the talking. And he's not nervous. 
Um, yeah. I know that Stephen Prince was not a gun salesman in in his in his real <laughs> life, but like I could listen to him act this Easy Andy character for another half an hour. Just yeah. listen to him like like try to sell me thing. Nickel plated, snub nose, and what a hell of a wallop. Yeah, dude. Isn't that little honey? <laughs> dude, that, <laughs> he he's awesome. Like Easy Andy is great. Oh man. Um. Obviously now Travis is armed. And whenever this movie comes up in a conversation or just like people, like when you're watching something or they always reference the you talking to me scene and that's like all they know. And it burns my ass for multiple reasons. Yeah. Number one, they usually affect a heavy New York accent when they do the impression, which Travis doesn't have. And number two, (laughs) it misses the point entirely with the way they, I guess, acted out. Yeah. I mean, like really the scene is about what we do while we're looking in the mirror obsessing over ourselves and we think no one's around yeah you know it's what we want the world to see totally and it it's even displayed with him trying to pull out that gun from yes. his sleeve and it's so haphazard and sloppy but <laughs> in his mind you can tell how how pleased and clever he thinks he is he's, he's james Bond like i got you moment. fucker exactly yeah, yeah even yeah. though it oh. took an extra like three flicks of the wrist to get the gun out that, that device yeah i mean he has this idea that, it, that it's gonna really like you know help him in a jam i mean yeah you have to flick your wrist three times yeah and i mean he's practicing you know he's going to target practice he's doing this in the mirror as if right. he's confronting someone yeah it'll work better the more you do it i guess but (laughs) i mean he's so pleased with himself and so happy that he's got this surprise for someone (laughs) it the the rawness of it yeah feels real you know like feels if we were in our room yeah like doing that looking in the mirror pretending we're doing something like yeah it it looks it looks crazy i have been a tough guy in the bathroom mirror a million times in my life right you know and it's just, it's so embarrassing to think about how often I've done it, you know, but like, yeah, I mean, like I said, a million times. Right. I, you know? I love how the scene just captures how pathetic it is. I know exactly. And I guess, I guess Paul Schrader said that, that this was almost entirely improvised because in his yeah. script, it just said, yeah, he looks in the mirror and talks to himself like he's by himself. Yeah. Apparently De Niro got it from a Bruce Springsteen concert he went to. Okay. Cause Springsteen okay. was on stage and everyone was yelling and he's like, you talking to me? Oh, wow. Apparently, that's the story. All right. I mean, we take yeah. things from everywhere. The most famous line from the movie, of course, <laughs> not written by Schrader. It was improvised yes, by De Niro. Yes. I mean, <laughs> oh, well. Well, and, and we, we mentioned New York being a character, like you brought that up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that Travis, I take it as he's an outsider to New York, that he came from some, he came from the Midwest. Well, it sounds like he's writing his letter to yes. his parents at one point, And it, yeah. They, they don't even know where he is. Right. I mean, they'll probably see a postmark in New York City, and that's it. I mean, good luck finding a needle in a haystack. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah, and it, the way he lies to them in the letter. Yeah. Um, and and yep. it's in that greeting card to a couple of good scouts. Yep. He fills every empty spot on that greeting card with, with what he's saying, and he tells, yeah. tells them that he's with Betsy. And the lies on top of – it's him lying to his parents is like the least of his offenses, of course, but like mm-hmm. the the – this is how he sees himself. Not only from the you talking to me thing, but what what he writes to his parents is what he wishes is actually going on. Yeah, I think what's more intriguing is that he's actually writing to his parents. Like well, That's true. Yeah, like yeah. why would he even do that? Yeah, why would he You bother? know, there's some, right. s- some spark inside of him that feels like I need to do this. Yeah. Again, maybe that goes back to just how he thinks normal people should be behaving. Yes. I don't want to say he's not normal. I mean, of course he's got some problems and stuff, you know, but he is himself part of that sucking scum that he's talking about, which is <laughs> oh, ironic as hell. I, I mean, yeah. like, 
So we brought up Jodie Foster earlier and how he was like, how, how he interacts with her and how he, he's, he wants to save her in the end. Like you just said, he's the one that traumatizes her the most. Yes. I mean, it's not the Johns that she's had anonymous sex with that, that has been a part of it, but none of them ever sh- shot anybody in front of her. Right. And she even yells, don't shoot don't him. Shoot and then him. blam squib on the wall. I mean, who, uh, she, she has witnessed violence because of him. And, you know, man, it, the, the idea, like, it, it didn't hit me until, it didn't hit me, like, full on until watching it for, for this show is, is just the, the, the psychology of vigilante. I yeah. mentioned earlier an inflated sense of self-worth. I mean, like, talk about, if you take, if you take justice into your own hands like this, and do you think it's upon, that, that it's, it's your responsibility to, to solve the evil in the world, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it has to be by your hand. I know where that comes from and I know why people get to that spot. I mean, if, if they've seen, you know, horrible things, but when you haven't exactly seen horrible things, you just are like imagining the horrible things that are going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's wrong with you? And his vigilantism isn't even like directed at anything specific because at first he's trying to go after the Senator. It looks like, yeah, that's, his and first then that move, kind of right. fails. Yeah. And then he goes after the pimps, you know? He, he kind of just is going with the flow. He wants to shoot somebody. He wants to be recognized. Yes. Of course, he's yes. lonely. He wants the attention. Right. And what a horrible way to get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know. Uh, you can you can talk about how it is nowadays with all the shootings and things that happen. Yes. It's just continuing to happen. And like Travis, he just wants that. And even like the end of the movie, Lakota at the end, like yeah. he gets it. Which, okay, can we talk about yeah. Lakota? Yeah, um, we, we've got to talk about the coda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's. So after, after yeah, after, like, like so you said, after the the full out bloody gunfight, yeah. it which is amazingly it's a tour, choreographed tour de force tour de force scene. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Um, you know, we we pan back and the the narration is uh, a, a man who we find out is Iris's father. Iris is Jodie Foster's you know young yeah. sex worker character. Uh, a letter to Travis from him and his wife thanking him for rescuing their daughter. Mm-hmm. And there's newspaper clippings hailing Travis as a hero uh, for, you know, like rescuing this young girl and getting her back with her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, did this really happen? That's the question, isn't it? Right. 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 I want to say no. Okay. Because we last see him before this coda sitting on the couch in the hotel room, surrounded by bodies, bleeding out himself, basically. Yeah. The cops barge in, and then it's kind of surreal from that moment on. Yeah. He likely died there. That's the big theory everyone talks about, right? Did yeah, he die here, or, right. or what happened? Right. I like to think he died, and this is kind of what he, he thinks is going to happen after it's all done. Yeah. Right. So he gets all this praise and recognition for being a hero, <laughs> which he couldn't do... As a cab driver, he couldn't do it as a Marine. Right. Like, now he's got this, what he's craving. Everybody wants some recognition. Yeah. You know? He, he wants to feel normal, and he wants people to like him, and he wants to be recognized. And not only by people, but society seems to be recognizing him. The newspapers are saying, this guy's a hero, man. True. Right. And even the scene with Betsy after we get the voiceover with the newspaper reading, like, you never really see them together until she gets out of the cab. Like yeah. the car ride seems almost like she's a phantom or something I in know, the mirror. Yeah, she's sort of ghost-like. a figment of yeah. his imagination. Yeah, um, and then she gets out, tries to give him money, 
and he drives off, thinking is, he's still the good guy. You know, I'm doing a favor. It's on me. You know, <laughs> he's he's altruistic Travis. You know, <laughs> that's how he viewed himself when he died. Well, if this is if that's what happened, <laughs> if, if if that's what happened, and and it's even to the point where he gives her a ride totally gratis, mm-hmm. like he's that good. Yeah, he he's that great of a person. He's a saint. Um, that that is truly frightening that he thinks that about himself. That he has this picture of. I mean, wow, the he's, psychosis of that. He's so broken psychologically. Yeah, it's scary. It's haunting. If that really was his death fantasy, and it's and it's how you just dis- described it, I mean, like that is truly scary. I, I guess the other my other interpretation would be like you know, if this did happen, yeah, um, maybe it's a commentary on how our society kind of like yes lionizes this kind of behavior yeah you know because i mean they, they would be really interested in a white man who who took justice into his own hands and finally you know took out the trash so to speak i agree that that's true. neither of these are wrong exactly you can read either way they're both so poignant yeah they're both incredible ways to think about it yeah and that is an incredible movie. Oh, of course. <laughs> like you, it, multiple it, interpretations that are both extremely valid. Right. And knowing the dark side of humanity that intimately, being able to express it artistically, uh, that, that's really something. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> we should definitely Harvey talk Harvey Keitel Matthew, plays yeah. Matthew, the pimp. A.K.A. For, uh, sport. Uh, A.K.A. Sport. I call yeah. him Sport. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Harvey Keitel is unbelievable in this movie. <laughs> He's hilarious, and he's scary, <laughs> and and he's like jacked. I know he's, he's wearing that wife crap, beater man. and his muscles, oh. man, and just rippling, and yeah. his hair and his fedora, and it's just like well, everything he's got. He, oh. he had that body in Reservoir Dogs yes. too. I mean, it just like in and in Bad Lieutenant when he's nude, you know, like like in yeah, you, <laughs> you the, know, the full package is there. <laughs> literally guy, and figuratively exactly. how did this guy get so freaking yoked i mean i it's so weird i don't know it's from hauling that piano around <laughs> off the beach you know that's right, that's right. So. oh my god he's super naked in that too <laughs> yes yes he's he's full frontal yep. all over the place <laughs> um but yeah i think he gives an awesome performance yeah and he he seems like he's likable but in a way that He's not really likable. That's in a way a pimp has to pimp. Yeah, you know the way he has. When you see the scene with him and Jodie Foster, she's telling him, "Uh, "I got to get out of here. You don't pay attention to me anymore." And he just is saying everything she wants to hear. Yep, gaslighting the fuck out of her and just totally manipulating her. I mean, he is doing what a pimp does, and it is scary. I remember seeing that American Pimp documentary by the Hughes brothers. Yeah. And those guys that they interview, they do this exact thing that sport does. Mm-hmm. Like when on, when a girl has her, if a girl's working for him and it's her day off, the guy would like take them out. Yeah. And it would be like she's out with her man and she's yeah. like, you know, showered with gifts and nice clothes and everything. And, and it's just like, it's all such, to call it manipulation, obviously, is, is, is I mean, you're, you're enslaving someone. Right. You know? You're brainwashing them. Right. Even if he, like she says, oh, he never beat me up and everything. Yeah, uh, of course not. Um... Because, like, he would never do that because he's, he's I guess he's too shrewd to even, like, attempt such a thing. Yeah, no rough stuff. Right. He doesn't want her 12-year-old uh, face damaged. Oh, my God. No You can damage stuff. any other part of her, you can, but not that. I mean, it, it's just... Disgusting. And the idea that you'd put a 12-year-old on the street like that and take all of her money. He is then, the, the scummiest of the sucking scum. Yes, of course. For sure. Of course. And, and 
if anybody deserves to die, it's it's pimps, obviously. <laughs> um, but <laughs> like like no one would ever, and and that and that's I guess another another really disgusting part of of Travis's behavior is that like yeah, people wouldn't miss such a person if if you if you killed four pimps in one night and were mortally wounded during it, and then they saved you in the hospital somehow. Yeah, you would be a hero, especially you know? in the '70s in New oh York City. God. No, of, of no course. one's gonna give a fuck. Exactly. Yes. Uh, because yeah, you, you, your, your victims were all evil, which I sound like I'm advocating for it. I'm not, I'm, I'm truly, yeah, yeah. This movie, you've got to walk a line. I mean, I hope everyone understands like we are not saying go do this. Absolutely. This is not a good idea. Yeah. Don't, please don't, please don't, don't (laughs) own guns. Yeah. The points the film is making about people in society are entirely accurate. Of course. Yes. And, and throughout the movie too, it, it kind of like... Harvey Keitel is the only Caucasian pimp that we see. We, we see yeah. like 10 other pimps. None of them look like Harvey Keitel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Travis, obvi- Travis like glares, like there's, there's like three times where it's just Travis like mean mugging somebody on the street and it's right. always an African-American pimp. Yeah. Um, and the, the one pimp that he actually has interaction with and that he kills is white. Yeah. There's always that racist undertone there. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like the movie doesn't go down that road right. so much. You do see him kill the guy who's robbing the store. Yes. And yes. and that. Well, technically, I guess he doesn't kill him because he's still alive. And then the store owner starts beating him to death. With the door open. Yeah. Like, just starts hitting him. Just with a doesn't iron. care. Yeah, exactly. The, the neighborhood is that bad that you can just do this. Yeah. You know, um, and get rid of a body. I. I well, yeah, you, yeah, because you never really see Travis do anything overtly racist. No, except maybe glare at some people. Yeah, exactly. Or he shoots the guy robbing the store, which isn't out of racism. No, it's. It, it's I think he thinks he's being altruistic again. Yeah, exactly. He's helping out. He's yeah. helping out the grocer. Yeah. Um, and his narration, obviously, he he says a lot of you know hateful shit. He does. Yeah. Um, but but you never see it acted out that much. No, you, you don't see way. him like be racist to anyone in the movie. Um, he's just. He, he is who he is because he is ostracized from all of society. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ooh, poor Travis. Yeah, yeah, poor Travis. Um, I guess the, the society that, that creates Travis. It's also on trial in this movie. Yeah, and I could see Palantine is a great target for that yeah. because, you know, he's just part of the system yeah. that's going to keep it going. Even though he says he's not because they all say they're not. But they are his his campaign rhetoric. Like when, when you when you hear him, when you hear what he's saying, you know, at his rally. Oh, my gosh. It's just generic. It's the most. Oh, my, oh my garbage. God. Just that means nothing. I mean, I know it's, it's so disingenuous. And he, he he doesn't even even when he's being interviewed on, on TV and Travis is watching him and he keeps that 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 sloganeering of we are the people or, or is it yeah. we are the people. I can't even remember. We are the people. That's right. We don't pay for the buttons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Albert Brooks again. <laughs> freaking awesome phenomenal (laughs) um but yeah it's it's the emptiest bullshit and here it is like you said 50 years later and we have the exact same shit yeah coming out of these people's mouths usually it's accompanied by you know like john cougar mellencamp small town when they first walk onto the stage right we're gonna save the mining jobs oh for fuck's sake and we're gonna clean up this city (sighs) what does that mean it's that means nothing i know absolutely nothing it means what Giuliani it's did. Empty words. Yeah, <laughs> know, right. <you> yeah. Know. <laughs> and and it's nothing they do is to make society better. It's to maintain the status quo and uh, make people believe that they are safe mm-hmm. when they're not. I I, I, <laughs> I I understand why why people are so pissed off. You know? Yes, that's the crazy thing. You can see why Travis does this, right? 
Not that it's justified. No, of course not. But you can understand how we came to these conclusions. Yes. <laughs> oh, baby. And and you know, you you brought up specifically Harvey Keitel as as Matthew. Can I don't know who the actor is, but that Mickey Mouse Secret Service man. I who, love that guy. He's uh, awesome. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's super tall. Um uh-huh. and if if this happened today, <laughs> Travis would have been like He cur- would have been detained oh immediately. My God. I mean like they would have curb stomped him on the way to the black site prison. <laughs> One thing I always wondered, like as soon as Travis leaves, they try to get that cameraman yeah. to take a picture of him. Yeah. Or is he rushing in to take a picture of Palantine when he gets out of the cab? I think they're trying to get a shot of Travis. That's what I thought too. Yeah. But then coincidentally the, the limo pulls up with the Senator and kind of the crowd blocks everything. Right. So. Yeah. I understand why they didn't get him, like, because, like you said, all the crowd stuff, but I mean, like... As no, soon keep as, going after that guy. I mean, as soon as you see and him. And he gets exactly, away later yeah. in the movie so easily, too. Radio, I know. Because that other guy just runs into a bunch of random people oh, and falls man. down. I know. A, a Secret Service man He's being... like Charlie Chaplin tripping over his own feet. It's <laughs> no. insane. The, Come God, on. Dude. Secret Service guys <laughs> are, like, Secret Service people are, like, the elite of the elite. Right, you know, you're not going to be running into that guy no, with a bag of groceries. Exactly, there's no way they, they would have they would have disarmed him and had him in the trunk of a car and out of the picture. Yep, you know, in no in the second he, the second they saw him, um, and that that Travis is allowed to just stand there and talk to him and you know hip hop and give the fake yeah, name. Yeah, that's great. I mean, oh. Gives a six digit zip code. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of my phone number, which also which makes isn't no six sense. digits I mean, and like. I love that part. I, I it's did, so you know, it's so unsettling. Yeah, it is. Well, okay, so we've both seen this movie multiple times. Yeah. The first watch, though, you don't know what's going to happen. I know. You don't know if he's going to blow this guy away, if he's going to kill the senator here. That's true. You don't even think for a second he's going to go kill these pimps at the end of the movie. <laughs> you think the goal is the senator. Yeah. Like, and it's it's kind of it the whole time. It's super tense because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And even on multiple viewings, you know the ending. I don't feel that tension as much right. going forward because we know what happens, but you can still appreciate it. You're, you're right, um, especially the, on the first viewing when he's talking to the Secret Service man. Um, like there is, there's like really, it, the tension is Oh, high. it's so awkward. Yeah. And um, you know Travis has these guns under course, his coat. Right. It's just that on the 30th watch... You just really pissed off at the Secret Service man <laughs> for not doing his job, right? You know, I, I just I just sit there going, dude, yeah. nerve pinch this guy right now. All he does is try to trick him into giving his address, <sighs> which he doesn't say. All right, you're going with us, right? Which he is within his right of to co- do. The, the Secret Service, that is what they do. Yeah, they nab people <laughs> who are trying to get at politicians. <laughs> And right or wrong, I mean, that, that, that is what, and, and in this case, right. Do you Just, think if he had the mohawk at that point, he'd be done? Probably. I think yeah. that would have helped. Yeah. I think that would have like, like yeah. had that guy spring to action. Dude, man. Dude, I looked like Travis in high school when I had my <laughs> I mohawk. I saw the pictures, dude. Yes. I'll, maybe I'll put some pictures up on Instagram or something. But yeah, I had that mohawk. I, I had it. I had the heroin Bob haircut. <laughs> That is probably the more apt comparison as heroin Bob because yeah. of like the, the, the circumstances around your, your Mohawk. But yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh dude. Uh, All right. man, yeah. And I just want to, uh, about the coda one more time. Mm-hmm. Like we, we talked about it with the, the, the bloodbath that ensues. I didn't realize it until I watched like behind the scenes after the first time I saw it. But the reason the blood looks like it does is because of censorship. Yeah, I heard about that. They would have got an X rating? Yeah. So the blood is more brown than yeah, red? It's desaturated. <laughs> that is... Talk about bullshit. I know. We're talking about societal bullshit oh in this my episode. Lord. Like, oh, my Lord. 
Wow. Yeah. That makes the difference? It's, yes. That makes the difference. The color of the blood. Yeah. You just put in the blood code. Abacab. <laughs> the game genie, the freaking blood, man. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just like... Uh, and, and it's not it's not a 12-year-old being scandalized and traumatized by what they're seeing. It's not the unbroken take of pointing a gun to a man's chin and blasting the back of his head open. Yes. It's what the color of the stuff that comes out is. Maybe it was green. Make him an alien. I mean, what the there fuck? There you go, yeah. Yeah, and ha- have, it, have it burn a hole And then an the unsuccessful floor. suicide attempt right after it. Yep. Yeah, we, we can, yeah, we can you show know, that. That's fine. Just make the blood a little more brown. It's disgusting. <laughs> it makes no it's, sense. It's, it's like... We, we can rant about uh, the MPAA all the time. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. we've done it before. We'll probably do it again. Oh, yeah, we yeah. will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lord almighty. I know. All right. So uh, anything else? We could probably go another hour if we oh, wanted course, to. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to miss anything you really want to hit oh, if you got anything yeah. left. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess really just we, 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 we've touched on it a lot, like Travis's psychotic behavior. Um, but like one, one thing I noticed on this viewing was how strong he comes on even when he's trying to be casual, no matter who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. When when he's talking to Sport on the street, when he's talking to Betsy when he first meets her. The movie theater attendant. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Even the senator in the cab. Oh my God. It's just it's, interrupts their like foreign policy talk yeah. or whatever. They're yeah. make, just interjects. Hey, are you, are you Charles Palantine, the senator? Yeah. If I had the chance to talk to a senator, if they were in my cab, I might, I might take that chance, but I wouldn't approach it the way Travis does. He doesn't know how to function. Oh, yeah, We've exactly. touched on that yeah. a bunch. Like, he just can't function no. in a way that most people normally do. Right. The other thing I wanted to, to touch on was about the, the last scene with the, in, in, the, in the hotel and everything. Um, if, if anybody gets a chance, if you have the original DVD, or you can probably just find it on YouTube, like, try to find the behind-the-scenes stuff with the effects artist, Dick Smith. He's one of the all-time greats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Savini and Rick Baker list list him as like their their hero. Really, yeah. that's awesome. You, you know where where Travis shoots the the pimp through the hand? Oh, his hand just explodes. Yes, yeah. Dick Smith takes you through that and like how it was it was used with like fishing wire, how it was a prosthetic, and they they like you know rip the prosthetic. And, Dude, you know there's a little gun you know flare in there. Um, just such yeah. cool, awesome practical effects. Stuff. I love the way the hand explodes because we've heard about the force this Magnum has. Yeah, yeah, and like. He doesn't blow his head off. Imagine getting your hand exploded. I mean, I mean, you get shot in the head, you're done. You don't. That's right, it. You don't right. feel anything. Nothing happens. Three of your five fingers and half your palm are gone and from one shot. You could bleed out from. Yeah, this wound. you could. I mean, <laughs> I love how they leave him alive, and he's oh, chasing yeah. Travis up the stairs. I'll fucking kill you. Right. And he gets shot a second time, but Travis doesn't even kill him. Like, Tra- until the end. Yeah, yeah. He's like, the last guy Travis He's the kills. last guy. Right. And then he gets stabbed in his other hand. Ooh. Talk about insult oh, to injury. Oh, my God. Yeah, now he's just got stigmata. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Um, and yeah, other oh, than that, but the, just, just like seek out anything you can on Dick Smith. Dick Smith, dude. Awesome. Awesome. So, Dave... Would you recommend this movie? Yeah. I'm sure everyone wants to know your what you what you would or wouldn't recommend. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert: I will recommend Taxi Driver. Uh, it's five star film, and it's one of it's it's an American classic. Please see it. Yes, this is a must see for any fan of cinema, any fan of living and breathing, anybody. <laughs> exactly. If you like movies. You have to watch this movie. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. unbelievable. We've set, we've t- even talked about it. It's taught in classes. This film is essential. Yep. 
All right, so that wraps it up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. Rate it, review it, most of all, share it. That will get more dudes listening to the dudes. And you can also go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yes, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just so you know, look, just search dudes on movies, and we have an email address which uh, several people have sent uh, sent us emails in the last week. Oh uh, yeah, man, we've had a great outpour of exactly. everybody. Like so happy we're Welcoming back. Us back. We're so happy to be back too. Yes. Um, and I want to give a special, uh, like, you know, Erica and Trevor and Sharon for emailing us. Um, like, yeah, it's awesome to, that you guys reached out like that. Um, you know, we really appreciate it. Yeah, dude, we were hoping something like that would happen with the real... God, you guys are the best, exactly. man. Exactly. It just makes us makes us want to do this forever. We... Um, yes. Oh. And that email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Yes, 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 it is. All right, so we have a question of the week. It is, what is your favorite movie where New York is a character? Nice. All right, so stay tuned for next week when we do 1987's Wall Street, directed by Oliver Stone, starring Michael Douglas and Charlie Sheen. So until next week, I'm your dude Scott. I'm your dude Dave. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>